Stay tuned for another sports presentation on the worldwide leader of Marshall University Athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. It's time for Sports Buzz, WMUL's weekly sports talk show with a competitive twist. Four enter, but only one will leave as this week's champion of current sports topics. And now, here's this week's moderator. And good evening and welcome to Sports Buzz. I'm Justin Zimmer. We have a great panel here with us tonight to give you the latest in all the sport and all the world of news of sports. And so with that, I'll let them introduce themselves. We'll start off with the man right in front of me on mic number two, Zane Townsend. I am Zane Townsend, and this is my third time on Sports Buzz overall. I have not won a single time. I'm Christian Palmer. I was hosting last week, so excited to be on the panel and argue with these guys tonight. I'm uh, Ben Cower. You just heard my terrible picks of the week on Inside Conference USA. Back again, <laughs> I was on here last week. Uh, I didn't win. So this time around, I am going to win. That's the goal for tonight. And I'm Ryan Sirk. It's been a while since I've been on here, but I'm happy to be back. And we're glad to have you guys all here tonight. Uh, we'll start off with the National Football League, and we'll start off with the quarterback situation in New England. Now, as of as of right now, Cam Newton is out of a job. He is no he's a free agent. Mac Jones is now QB one in New England. So, as of there's 31 other teams in the league. Some have quarterbacks. Some don't have adequate quarterbacks, and some are just happy in the rebuild situation. So. Uh, what what is the best fit for Cam Newton? And we'll start off with Ben Cower. Obvious answer: the Houston Texans. I think it's pretty obvious because, and it's not for the reason that you think. I'd say, I mean, people rip on Terod Taylor because he's had a bit of a shaky history in the past few years, where the last time he was the starter of an NFL team was with the Browns, and he had a below fifty percent completion rate with Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. before his injury at, you know, and his holsters as wide receivers. But my I think he's gonna end up at the I think he's gonna end up a Texan because of Nick Casario. Nick Casario, for those who don't know, he's the GM of the Texans. But before that, he's been with the Patriots organization for thirteen years and he was their head of player personnel. Uh, Casario now being the GM of the Patriots one of his last acts in New England was bringing Cam Newton to New England. And now he's the head honcho in Houston. I think, it, you know, with Terod Taylor, I don't think Terod Taylor is going to be terrible, but I am assuming that he's probably going to be a bottom five starter in the league. Uh, you go after a guy like Cam Newton, you have you already have dynamic wide receivers that, you know, a, a guy like... Brandon Cooks, who really makes a difference if you have a guy with an arm that can really throw it down the field to him. Uh, I, I think it'd be very logical to go after a guy like Cam Newton. I think he ends up a Texan. Uh, only other place I could see, maybe the Dolphins, because they've been in the hunt so much for uh, in, the, in the trade battle for, uh, excuse me, for uh, Deshaun Watson. And, they, I mean, they've been willing to give up the most for him. But which tells me they're still a little shaky on Tua, but I say he ends up a Texan, maybe a Dolphin. 
I'm going to have to agree. Cam <laughs> Newton would definitely fit within the Houston Texans organization. However, you did get something wrong about Terod Taylor. He did start for the Chargers in week mm-hmm. one while Justin Herbert was backing him up before he got his lungs punctured forgot about by the that. doctor. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say the Dolphins that. either, though, because uh, their head coach and their owner like all are in agreement that Tua is the man going forward within Miami. Then why are they why are they considering Watson? You know, I think they're gonna stick with Tua, but I mean why even attempt to trade? For- I think they're waiting for everything so, to blow over with Deshaun. It was interesting today there was a quote on ESPN that basically said Brian Flores told the team that Tua is our quarterback. And we can have that conversation later if that's actually true or not. But let's go to Christian Palmer here on this first question about uh Cam Newton, out of a job, where is the best fit for him? All right, this is a little bit of a hot take. I'm going to say the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> should take a look Here we go. at Cam Newton. All right. I Gather around, everyone. It's time so. for Steeler Power Hour. So it doesn't even phase me. The future franchise quarterback of the Steelers is not on the roster, and honestly, I don't think either of them are very good backups at all, honestly. I mean, you know what you have in Mason Rudolph. He's an okay backup that can play game manager and maybe not lose you the game, but he lost the job when he was starting to duck Hodges. And if the Steelers thought he was any good, they wouldn't have even brought Dwayne Haskins in. And at the beginning of the preseason, I gave Haskins the benefit of the doubt, see what he would do with the fresh restart. And he looked good at first going up against the third and fourth stringers, but they gave him the start in the last preseason game against Carolina, and he looked like a complete different player, looked terrible, had an interception, dropped the ball at one point. They let him play into the third quarter and didn't lead a single scoring drive. And in my opinion, Newton just gives the Steelers a much better chance on any given game than those two quarterbacks to win. Yeah, because I go to the team that basically uh, injured me in like, my last career renaissance. Cam Carolina. Newton has not been the same since T.J. Watt hit him, but another advantage, he doesn't have to go up against T.J. Watt, so he could like that. I'm going to kind of go with your point that I don't think Cam Newton should be starting on any team really in the league. I'm, you could say the Texans, that's probably his best best option, but I think realistically his role now should be a backup quarterback for whatever team need, needs one. So you could say the Dallas Cowboys. You don't know how Dak Prescott will handle with his new injuries and, and whatnot if he's reliable. So he could be a good backup option for them or even – you go with the New York Giants because you don't know how reliable Daniel Jones is. Healthy? Yes, he's healthy. But is he good? That's still up for debate. People have mixed emotions about him, so it's really up to Daniel Jones whether he would keep that spot or not. And it's always nice for any franchise who doesn't have a franchise quarterback that they believe in for long-term like the Dolphins would to have someone to replace their quarterback. Like, he could be a Ryan Fitzpatrick that just comes in and handles his role and is a professional about it, regardless of of what happens to the team, because I think he can he can really he can win games still, but he shouldn't be relied on as someone to lead a team. I feel like Cam would get torn apart if he was in New York by the media, and that would just not sit well with him because Cam, as many might know, is not great with the media at certain points I, I don't think that would be a good mix cam is a giant i mean the talent there i mean it's pretty undeniable i don't think cam is in his prime anymore but i think 
at this point he might be better than Daniel Jones. So I I don't know. I, I don't think that would be – I could see it happening, but I don't think it would be a very long-term pairing if he was in New York as a giant. I was about to say, ask Javi Baez about the New York media and yeah. the New York fan base. Uh, he had a nice encounter with them. I, I, I real quick want to get back to a point that Ryan, uh, Ryan brought up about Ryan Fitzpatrick, about Cam Newton being a Ryan Fitzpatrick. The number one team that, that none of you said but I've heard is the Washington football team. So I'm going to ask a quick follow-up here. Like, why not Washington? He, he'd be paired with his former head coach, Ron Rivera, and, and the Scott Turner offense was very successful last year. So if anyone wants to take the bait on that question. So I'll kind of follow up since I brought this topic up, is that you don't want to Ryan Fitzpatrick's or to Cam Newton's. And they are very different quarterbacks, yes, but you don't want two guys that you rely on when your starter gets hurt. Yes, Ryan Fitzpatrick should I mean, if they were both on the same team, I don't know who would start, but you don't want those two average quarterbacks or below average at some points, very inconsistent quarterbacks to lead your team. And Washington brought back uh, Heineke as well, didn't they? Uh, I yes, Heineke so. on a two-year, yes. $8 million contract. So already kind of have two quarterbacks that they like there, so that is Kyle one reason well. I could see them not taking a look at him. But – you could, you never know. Real Riverboat Ron might bring him back in. Dan Snyder probably does not want to have a repeat of the Robert Griffin situation either. Where, uh, well, now Tanya of, Snyder, Dan Snyder's a co-owner. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. This is the uh, ten million off on yes, Scour. I have a, yeah another interesting point with Cam Newton as to why I don't think he would be a member of the football team is because it's been very publicized that Ron Rivera for a while was very disappointed with the vaccination rate of his team and they've been working very 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 hard to get the majority of that team vaccinated considering that Ron Rivera had cancer and still does to an extent even though it's in remission Cam Newton it's been again very publicized and has probably been a reason why he ended up getting cut from the Patriots Uh, I mean he was away at a doctor's appointment because of the whole misunderstanding or whatever happened it was due to his, how do I say it? Vaccination his, status. Yeah, his vaccination status or his lack of statement on it. And, you know, you don't know if he is vaccinated or not, but I, I think <laughs> obviously Rivera and teams would do their due diligence on that. I don't think it would be worth that risk because I don't know if he's vaccinated or not. I mean, it's kind of been it's kind of been implied that he isn't uh I think that's a big point as to why he wouldn't be a member of the Washington football team is who knows if he's vaccinated or not. And Rivera would not deal with that. He said so himself. So Yes, I'm not, I'm not going to repeat the quote uh, that Rivera said on air. That's a little little colorful language, not appropriate for radio broadcast. Uh, but we're going to stay in the NFL, and we're actually going to the coach, coaching realm. There are some coaches who know that their job's secure for next year. There are others at the start of the season who... They're on the hot seat already, and they've done nothing wrong, and they've not lost the game yet this year. So which coach, as of right now, should be looking both ways and because uh, their job is on the line, and who, and what, coach is, what coach is on the hot seat the most? And we're going to start off with Ryan Sirk here because I have a good feeling about this one, but Ryan, go ahead. I hate to be that guy to mention the Cowboys yet again because I hate how much the uh, media talks about the I Cowboys. I think we're going to the Cardinals here, so okay. I, I 
I gotta have faith in the Cardinals a little bit. Okay. But I think it's Mike McCarthy. He didn't have a great season last year. You could say yes, it was Dak Prescott's injury, all this, but he the offense has weapons and now that they have Dak Prescott back, there's no reason they should not win the worst division in the NFL. So, especially with Jerry Jones as the owner, he doesn't have a lot of patience. So, he has to win the division or he could poss- possibly be fired. That's the end of the day and all the all the media that is around the Cowboys, which I hate. Again, I I hate to bring it up, but all that media brings pressure and pressure if you crumble under it, you're going to find yourself out of a job. All right, I got the Cowboys fan, Ben Cower, here have a rebuttal. So here we go, Cower. Never, never, never say that Jerry Jones does not have patience when it comes to having a coach. He kept Jason Garrett on that team for 10, 11 years, and we, we were so mediocre for the majority of the time. I And I fully believe he will let McCarthy do the same thing, give him the chance, considering we signed him to a long deal, too. And Jerry's yeah, very five much, years. Very much a man of his word. He knows the team isn't there yet. And if we suck again, or if the Cowboys are bad again this year, I have no doubt that McCarthy's not going to get canned. He's, he's not going to get fired. I, I think when he would have to start worrying is next year. Because, I mean, we have a lot of tools. The Cowboys have a lot of tools this year to they should make the playoffs. But if they don't, they better be very close. Uh, the guy, I, I have two candidates, I guess, to answer this question. Yeah, you can give us both. I One of them is David Coley from the Houston Texans. I mean, he's already a, a, really? a, a patch higher. Guy. I mean, he led one of the, he was a part of one of the worst defensive staffs in the league last year. Coley, I mean, and they hired him because nobody else wanted to work that job. And a little bit of the sacrificial uh, lamb. Yeah, sacrificial yeah. lamb. And if they are expected, you know, expectedly bad this year, I think it, it would be an easy cut. I, I think they don't believe in him long term. So I, that's why I'm, I have him as very little job security. And then Zach Taylor from the Bengals, where, I mean, they have been so bad. He, he's been there for two years now. Uh, shown, yes, he's going to his third season, second though with Burrow. And I, I get that. You know, Burrow got injured last year, and that kind of ruined their plans. But they've shown such an odd way of trying to rebuild that team, where they got the QB. But and I get why they got Jamar Chase, but invest in the O line. They don't, and they're not protecting the QB. Uh, you know, they're not making the moves that they should be. I mean, you have a, a franchise running back in Joe Mixon. You have a, the franchise QB who just came off of a horrific injury in Burrow. And it's been shown that Mixon is not effective when he doesn't have a, an O-line that consists of turnstiles in front of him. So invest in the O-line. Invest in a decent amount of the rest of the team. And I don't know, it just Zach Taylor, uh, Mike Brown, who is, the, I believe, the owner of that uh, organization. Owner and GM of that organization because oh. he refuses to hire a general manager. <laughs> I mean, it's just usually a mess over there. And has very little patience i mean well you have patience with marvin lewis for a while but i mean they're more in win now mode they're trying to rebuild very quickly and zach taylor has not shown at all that he's the guy for the job there he's in my opinion way too young uh he was in way over his head and if they don't do something of significance this year they have another you know three and 14 season now he's gone I mean, he's gone. There's so much better talent that you can get out there. I can agree with you on Zach Taylor. 
on that the way they're rebuilding this team is just not right. This happened with Carson Palmer, no O-line. It's happened with Handy Dalton, no O-line. What's happened to Joe Burrow, no O-line. But one candidate I'm thinking of right now is Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers. 2017, losing season. 2018, losing season. 2019, they finally get over that hump. Go to the, to the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. 2020, a lot of injuries ruined the season. It, it's been like five years already since his hire. He was the offense coordinator during the 28-3 loss. Or, well, the blown lead against the Patriots in Super Bowl 51. Then his team blows the lead in Super Bowl 54. And now he has to prove that this team that he's built up, that is quite injury prone, is going to try to sustain itself and make another postseason run like they did a couple years ago. And I have a feeling that if that doesn't happen... Well, then he's probably going to end up like the later years of his father's career and just go to a different team with uh, legacy issues, and then it just all crumbles apart yet again. And uh, my my coach, I've got one of the same ones that Ben threw out there as well. I think it's Zach Taylor has the least security, and I really agree that he's got to do a lot this season to change their minds. And honestly, I think they're probably going to finish in the basement of the AFC North again. Taylor's record in his first two years, 6-25-1. Almost about as bad as you could be. And while the Bengals are known for giving their coaches a long time to figure it out, maybe too long, people would argue, but at least Marvin showed some flashes of getting better, some progression. They made it to the playoffs a lot, obviously never did anything when they got there. And at but, least Hugh Jackson had personality in Cleveland in his first two years. Right, and and it's just really nothing's building up in Cincinnati. And honestly, the reports from early camp, it seems like things are getting worse almost. Uh, apparently Burrow hasn't looked that good. Jamar Chase is dropping everything. And I agree with both of the points you guys made about the Bengals. It's a constant problem of valuing the skill positions way more than everything else. I mean, think about it like during our lifetime. Honestly, the Bengals have had some really good skill position players. Chad Johnson, Terrell Owens, A.J. Green, T.J. Hushmanzada, Chris Henry. I mean, most of those guys even played like together. And so really stacked teams. A lot of good running backs as well throughout the years. Cedric Benson I, being one. I yeah. hurt for a while there at yeah. tight end. And, and like you said, it's not really either been – been quarterback either that's their problem and their defense has about as many holes as you could have taylor won't be there long all right i, I want to get to some of the, the coach that the first coach ben brought up david cully i don't know how much he's on the hot seat though because i really think he's like the i don't want to say the word god sent to that organization but he is the only thing that's like stable right now in that building i mean we thought the same thing with steve wilkes in arizona but he only lasted a year but I, here's my question if he's just like the one year solution, like then are they going into that like? So does he even make it a year, then? Because I mean, because they're going to be terrible right. this well, year. Well, we all know they're going to be terrible. They 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 don't have a quarterback. That that's pretty. And their running back room is a mess. They have no defense. And <laughs> but I would just totally get blamed for that though. So what does it take for him to keep his job? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Like, Everything. And that's why I'm saying he has nothing to work with as to why he's probably going to get fired. They're not going to trust him to rebuild that team. Again, the only reason they hired him is because nobody else really wanted to work that job. Right, because you had the could, Watson trade drama. Yeah, I mean, they were in the midst of, and not just that, but all the ownership drama. 
I right. mean, they had uh, – it's cooled down a little bit, but they were in hot, hot water when they hired Cully. And, uh, I mean, there's no reasons why he should stay there. I mean, he's, he's old, too. I mean, he's like in his 70s, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's, 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 he's not he's a young there. guy. He's up there. I mean, he's, he's not a young guy. You're not going to trust this guy. I mean, he's shown no – I mean, he's been around in the league for a while, but I mean, as of recent, what have you done for me lately? The teams he's been with as of recent, he hasn't shown anything impressive. You know, you're going to trust this guy to rebuild your entire organization? No, no. I I think if there's a better option on the table next year uh, or just this upcoming offseason, they're going to jump at it. Like and, especially, and he's 65 yeah. years old. <laughs> I mean, he's 65 as well. So, yeah. like, you're, this is maybe like a one-year, maybe two-year deal. But I, I, I don't know if he's the first one gone. I, I agree with you guys on Taylor. I think Taylor's got. I think Taylor they'll do, they'll do that mid-season. Well, I mean, Zane made a good point where he compared it to Steve Wilkes, where I, you know he's yeah, but Wilkes was bad though. I mean, Wilkes was bad, but do you think Coley's going to be any better? I mean, he's he's the transitional. But Coley piece. was the only option they had available. Honestly, they really didn't have. I, that's it, my it point. It was the same case with the Cardinals as well. That was their only option too. And he is their, their, you know, transitional piece to get to a Cliff's King, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, or to whoever's available. Right. I, I don't know how many. I don't know how many Cliff Kingsburys are going to be available. I mean, who I, knows? There could be. I mean, whoever yeah. spoke to Sean McVay or had dinner with him, they might get hired. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're, we're, now we're gonna we're gonna leave the fire seat where the hot. Now we're gonna go to the more positive and first year head coaches. Now they're they're a bunch. David Coley is one of them. So uh, I don't know. Ben's gonna say he's probably not gonna have the most pressure on him, but of the other remaining first year head coaches, who has the most pressure on them for success? Year number one. We'll start off with Zane. I'd say it's going to be Urban Meyer. Young quarterback coming in. Not a whole lot of key pieces to use or that's going to be much interesting. Uh, he already has controversy, as with yesterday, where vaccination status uh, was we're a consideration. Talk about that. We'll talk about that later. Oh, yeah. And, well, this man also does have a tendency to blame health problems to leave jobs as well. I'd say he's Bobby Petrino with an excuse. He has the success in college, but I got a feeling that he's not going to pan out in the NFL long term. But this first year might prove me wrong, might prove everybody else wrong. Who knows? And also during those preseason games, he didn't seem like he was motivating the Jags at all. Like he, he was treating it more like a college system, like just stay calm and collected and not really like trying to get his guys out there and do their jobs. Yeah, I, I agree with Zane, and it's all about expectations, really, and that's a reason why I think Coley could keep his job, even if he just has a somewhat decent year because the expectations are so low, and it's kind of the reverse for Meyer. Expectations are really high. Zane hit, it, hit on it, the number one pick, Trevor Lawrence. You have a potential franchise quarterback right there, so they're expecting big things out of him. Obviously, he had a lot of success in the NFL. I just think the such high expectations are setting him up for failure. I and look at all these coaches that are entering you know, their first year. You have Campbell with the Lions, Meyer with the you know Meyer with the Jags, uh, Salah with the Jets, Sirianni with the Eagles, Coley with the Texans, and then Brandon Staley uh, with the Chargers. I look at all of those coaches except one. 
and they all have a similarity, and that they're all with teams that are rebuilding, except for Brandon Staley. The Chargers aren't rebuilding. They have everything they need right now to make a playoff run. All, the rest of those coaches on that list, they're not, I mean, there's expectations there to improve the roster, but they're all rebuilding. You know, you expect Dan Campbell to make the playoffs with the Lions this year? No, I mean, no. I See, Zimmer is pumping his arm in that, but no. Campbell, I, I, the expectation like is Campbell. He's a good coach. I mean, he's a good coach, but that's yet to be determined, and nobody thinks the Lions don't have a wide receiver core. No, they don't, but I mean, come on. And defense, I mean, and then you have, uh, you know, Salah with the Jets. Who knows if it'll change things there. Uh, the Eagles are a dumpster fire. Sirianni has to turn that around. <laughs> Texans are an equal dumpster fire. And who knows with Urban Meyer? I mean, there's expectations there, but I think the most the question was is the most pressure in year one, and I think there's going to be red hot pressure on Brandon Staley to make sure that that team is better than it was last year, because Lynn, who got fired from that team, that team should have probably made the playoffs last year with the roster that they had, and they didn't. They blew it every single chance they got. And this year, he just has to make sure that team executes. And that, I mean, Herbert was fantastic. Their O-line is serviceable. They have a friend. I mean, they have a good enough running back core. Wide receiver room is extremely deep. Uh, defense is just about loaded in the backfield, and their D-line is fine. I mean, there's no reason why they shouldn't be a wild card team at least. Uh, I think easily out of all the coaches – I mean, maybe besides Urban Meyer, because he just because he has Lawrence, uh, all those guys are rebuilding. Staley's the only one with an effective team that can really make a push right now. And, I think and pressure's on him. I agree with you because I think pressure for winning is always a lot higher than pressure on improving your team. I think improving your team is a lot easier than winning actual football games and getting to the playoffs. If it was easy, every coach would do that with a talented roster, but it's not. So rebuilding, it takes a certain kind of coach, but winning takes a different kind of coach, and in my opinion, a better a better coach. Winning games is what matters, so Brandon Staley has the highest pressure out of all the new guys. As you mentioned, Ben, is that building a team and everyone in rebuild mode, just like, oh, yeah, we can win a couple games. As long as we're looking good out there, we'll get another good draft pick, and we'll be there in, in three or four years, but... Brandon Staley needs to win now, as you mentioned. That it, they had the the quality on the roster last year, but they didn't make it. So they think they think that Brandon Staley has a better chance of getting the Chargers to to winning because the old coach he got them the roster that was needed, but he couldn't finish the job. So they get a better coach that can potentially and hopefully for them finish the job. All right, that was great discussion here uh we're at the top of the hour we're gonna take a quick break but when we come back someone will be eliminated and uh urban we're gonna talk about urban meyer already, already there's already some issues in jacksonville and we're talking about a new nba policy that just came out a few moments ago that seems interesting so come on back to sports Buzz. we'll talk about it see in a few
Award-winning coverage lives right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHM-LP Ravenswood, West Virginia. Timmy, don't forget to brush your teeth before you go to school. No, Mom, I don't have time to brush my teeth. Timmy, if you don't brush your teeth, they'll rot! No! Little did Timmy know that would be remembered as the worst day of his life. After not brushing his teeth, he walked outside, and a car drove through a puddle. Splashing Timmy, getting him soaking wet. Oh no! After walking to school drenched, Timmy got the news that he was failing all his classes and then was kicked off the rugby team. Oh man! On his way home after school, a gust of wind blew Timmy's hat into the street, and when he went to get it, he was struck by a vehicle. No! Now sporting a full body cast, Timmy's girlfriend Jill dumped him. Oh no! Because it's not cool to go to prom with a mummy. Did you know that thousands of Americans suffer from cavities every year? (gasps) Remember to brush your teeth after every meal. Who knows what it could prevent? This announcement brought to you by your friends at WMUL. This just in. The WMUL news staff is looking for dedicated individuals to report, anchor, and produce its multi-award winning daily newscast. No experience is required and all majors may apply. Interested candidates should call 696 6640 or email wmulnews at marshall.edu. Join the crew for the best newscast for the state of West Virginia. News Center 88 on 88.1 WMUL. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the WMUL request line singer. Oh man, we're out of range. I'll miss all of my favorite music. No worries. With WMUL's 24-7 live stream, the cutting edge of your radio dial becomes the cutting edge of your phone, too. Just go to marshall.edu slash WMUL, and your favorite music goes wherever you do. I'll pull it up now, just in time for more music. Call 696-6651 now. DJs are standing by. Welcome back to Sports Buzz on this Wednesday night. I'm Justin Zimmer, hosting Zane Townsend, Ben Cower, Christian Palmer, and and the men's soccer national champion Ryan Sirk. Find the glass. I had to get that for, for Ryan. Uh, but it is time to have our first elimination of the night. And unfortunately, that's going to be Zane Townsend. Uh, Zane, I mean, great arguments, but we just. We, we just need a little more debate, but we enjoyed having you on. So if you want to say a few things, go ahead. All I can say is, regardless of whatever happens, the Chargers and Falcons will only ever know agonizing pain and failure. Very good. And uh, no, at least the Falcons, that is true, because the Falcons are still in the midst of a rebuild. Okay, moving on from that. So we're going to get to the NBA now. And we actually have, and I don't know if I want to call this breaking I don't know if I want to call this breaking news, but, you know, it, it, it's news and it's worth discussing. And this literally just came out about a little a little under an hour ago, so I didn't have a chance to tell these guys till moments ago. But here's the policy. Uh, i got to pull it up here again. This is from the NBA Trade Rumors uh, website. But here, and I'm going to pull this up because this, this policy needs a little... I'm going to explain the full policy before I hand it over to, to you all. It's It's nothing bad. It's just there's just a lot of... A lot of minutia here, but here, here's basically what. What does that word mean? A lo- lot of stuff, a lot of jargon. Is that a word? Uh, I minutia? believe so. But it's a big word. <laughs> Thank you. It's got it's it's got a good vocabulary. But here we go. Uh, so here's the policy, just in practice. So if you're an NBA player right now, 
you better get your vaccine. Uh, the reason why is if you're in New York or San Francisco, the Knicks, the Nets, uh, you might not be allowed in your home arena. And you will not be allowed in the practice facility. So, and considering our next topic, Urban Meyer, we, this is a good segue into vaccine uh, on this program. So, I don't want to get into if the policy's fair, because I think that that's a that's a legal discussion and all that can happen. But how does the NBA deal with this at the players' union? Because the because remember it was during COVID when they were in the bubble. There was the fear about the tracking and the magic bands and all that. Now the NBA has got this situation of, okay, now we got to deal with the vaccine. So if you're the NBA, how do you try to mend the tide here? Because this is this already seems like this is going to blow up. Yeah, I mean, it, it, drastically. It is very harsh, in my opinion, because you're pretty much saying to players on the Knicks, Nets, and Warriors that if you don't get vaccinated, you're going to have to switch teams because at the end of the day, you're not going to keep someone on your roster that can't play home games. So they can't play half the games. Why are, why are you on the team? So I think it is a bit harsh, and it's going to be tough for the NBA to mend relationships with the players because everyone wants to have free will of whatever they want to do. And... It's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see how that happens, but I don't know. I, I don't want to bring a personal opinion about it, but it's just interesting. And I'm, it's oh. kind of it's kind of interesting to me as well that they're just doing it for a couple of teams as well. You'd think if they implemented something like this, local mandates. That, it's, that, that, it's that, that, that's what's low. It's because of New York and California, for New York City and the San Francisco area. I'm surprised it's not all of California, really. Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, I guess, here, Palmer, did you? Okay. That, that kind uh, of ruined my just, point, so go right ahead. Just just reading this over, there's a really interesting point uh, in the, because I'm reading Shams on Twitter, what he said about it. Uh, he said that they're not allowed to enter, you know, the home arenas or facilities unless there's approved medical or religious exemption. So I think you're going to see a lot of these guys, you know, obviously they can't disclose their medical info or usually don't want to. But my guess is if, if a lot of these guys are not vaccinated, you're going to see them make a major push. Because that's medical or religious, especially on the religious point, that provides a ton of gray area. Right. And religious, is that I think that's what's going to be the factor that's, in all this. That's the out is right there is religious where i mean medical for for probably i don't know if any but religious exemption is probably going to be the one that if there's going to be if there's a loophole here it's that but the for the policy itself i mean that's up to the governments of you know new york city and the, the san francisco area you know, obviously, I don't know the exact COVID situation in those areas, but I, they're large population centers, and it applies for everybody. I mean, I guess it's a very equal application of the law, where it doesn't matter if you're an NBA player or you know just someone living in an apartment and you go to work every day there. Uh, it applies to absolutely every everyone and everything. So, I'd say it's a it's a fair rule. You have to abide by the laws first. It's not like the NBA is <laughs> exempt from the the laws of the United States. So, uh, you know, I I think it's a very interesting uh, policy. But 
there is a loophole there, and it's it's the religious stance that can okay you from getting it, I guess. I'm very interested to see like the collective bargaining side of this because I don't know the NBA's collective bargaining agreement situation, but like baseball, that CBA is coming up real soon, and the pitchers are already not happy about the sticky stuff, and we can talk about that another time, and if what, what concessions Manfred and friends are going to have to make up there, but. If you're the NBA, and let, let's just say the CBA is due in a couple years, this is not what you want to happen. Um, you really, and by the way, their hands could be tied. But to be fair, what they could say is that they haven't mandated vaccines for players, but they have for referees and team and arena personnel. So they're still they could still say like, hey, it's not our problem, it's not our fault. We right. we don't we didn't mandate it for you because we care about you. We mandated it for everyone else though. But I think that's the out. Yeah, exactly. If you're the NBA, that's your out right now. You're like, okay, you know. Anyway, we're going to move on to the next topic. And anyway, here's the other thing. Visiting teams are exempt. I, I was just reading this to CNBC. Requirements will not apply to players in, in those cities. If you're a visiting team, so another little caveat. I mean, I don't know. I guess for that that specific part of it i mean because it only applies to local residents right so. so that's that's again that's another loophole in the law there where yeah. i think we're gonna see a bunch of that it was worded very openly i guess all right from one vaccine issue to the other vaccine issue urban meyer the first year head coach of jacksonville we talked about it normally doesn't last very long at some jobs some good some promotions some health issues we'll get to this the NFLPA is after Mr. Meyer because of a little statement he made yesterday regarding vaccines and cuts. So considering Urban's past and who knows if this is gonna who knows with Urban's situation if this is gonna blow up and be the reason why he's out of the NFL, how long is Urban actually going to last in the National Football League? I'm gonna say two years, Max. I don't know. I just it seems like Jacksonville's just cursed or something. <laughs> Nothing ever works out there. And there's already a couple of red flags, it feels like, coming up for Urban, and he hasn't even coached in his first game. And the man thought Tim Tebow was a good tight end. I mean... He was a culture know. piece. He was, he, was, he was there to help build the culture. He, he, he should have been like McConaughey at uh, Texas, the minister of culture. But yeah, I I don't know, unless he has immediate success really quickly with Lawrence, and I don't think the Jaguars are anywhere near that, I, I really think that things are going to flame out quickly for Urban and Jacksonville. I don't know. It just depends on, because this year, I mean, ETN already went down. They're rebuilding. Success is not guaranteed, and I don't think people are expecting them to make the playoffs this year. I mean, if you asked Urban Meyer, I'm sure he would give a different answer. But, I mean, let's be real. They're not going to make the playoffs. But then again, uh, Palmer had a good timetable of two years. I think between that that ballpark of two to three years, I mean, who knows with Urban Meyer. As Zane mentioned, the man has a tendency for, oh, 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 oh I'm, I'm feeling real bad. I guess I have to quit my job again. Uh, just, you know, 
all sorts of loopholes and whatnot, but he'll, I don't, I feel like he wouldn't bail, so as to say, but if they have two straight years of like three and 14 or two and 15 or below average, two below average years in a row, uh, unless, again, unless Urban himself decides, eh, it's time, I'd say two minimum, uh, Three most likely, and uh, unless they massively turn it around and next year, uh, I don't see four. So I'd say between two and three. And one reason I say two years is because if nothing's going well after that point, you really think they're going to go into the third season of Lawrence's career with a coach that they haven't done anything with. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be a big factor as well. Mm-hmm. There just always seems to be investigations wherever Urban Meyer goes. It was just a matter of time before someone found out about it, is what it seems to me. So if there's more... Oh, this just started today, the probe. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Like, he hasn't even had his first game as a head coach, and there's already things coming up, speculation and stuff like that. So who who knows how many more things will surface throughout his first year of head coaching. But if everything stays good, they're winning games, they're staying mediocre for the first two years i i wouldn't be surprised if they they keep them as i mentioned before it takes a certain coach to rebuild and a certain coach to to win games i think if urban meyer proves that he's the type of coach to rebuild that he'll be fine but i don't think he'll be the type of coach to win games so it's just a matter for me whenever management thinks it's time to win now will be the time to pull the trigger on urban meyer but also let me add this real quick this probe this is Urban's second problem in Jacksonville. Oh, He's already had geez. one before this. There you go. Chris Doyle, the strength and conditioning coach, who was supposed to be the director of sports performance. Very interesting Ur- hire. Urban hires him. Let's just be nice here on the general timetable. Go. Let's go under 24 hours later. Uh, stuff came out about his time at Iowa and racist allegations. So Urban's already having... And, and, and Urban didn't do this, but Doyle, who he hired... At the, at the racial allegations. So, but here's the other thing I find interesting about Urban. His coaching staff's not that impressive. It's a bunch of college guys. I think that's subjective, though, because you don't necessarily know if they're going to succeed or not. That's yet to be determined. That's pretty much the whole thing with Jacksonville. It's, a, it's, it's yet, just a, a very young, young and inexperienced group of people that, for Jacksonville's sake, can build something together and build relationships together that no one expects, and they win games that way. Yeah, Urban was brought in to kind of change the culture, but it, it doesn't feel like anything has really changed just yet. I mean, you already have players going, coming out and saying stuff and about the culture, so I there's mean, already problems. I just find it interesting that he's the guy to build a culture. I mean, look at look at the Florida team. What what culture did they really have? I mean, the, Marone, the culture under Marone and uh, – oh. I'm blanking on his name, but he was the head coach of the New York Giants for Coughlin. Coughlin uh, under Coughlin, and uh, Marone for a while was nightmarish. I mean, it caused that. Uh, that's why Fournette left, and the whole team fell apart. Yeah. But again, I I I agree with my uh, co-panelists that like, I agree with my co-panelists that uh, very questionable hire to bring in Urban Meyer to change, I guess, the culture, considering that 
when he was at Ohio State, there was a lot of questions about the culture there, where he kind of was very laissez-faire in letting his players kind of do as they pleased there, as long as they, uh, if I had to describe it, it's the, as long as you're here on game day and as long as you're practicing, hey, you know, as long as, you know, if we're doing good, it's okay with me. You can go do whatever. At that doesn't work in the NFL to an extent. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see if Urban Meyer sticks around. And as long as they were winning games, it was fine. So yeah. <laughs> and in Jacksonville, they won't be doing well exactly. this year. <laughs> All right, a great segment there. When we come back, we're going to talk about Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo gets a contract extension. We'll, we'll see what our panelists think about Jimbo. Another 10-year deal for Mr. Fisher. But we'll do that when we come back on Sports Buzz. Ever think of yourself as a human garbage can? Why can't you be more like him? Do you think you need to eat that? Nice hair. Did you use a weed whacker? Are you really that dense? Quit being a wuss. Baby, I love you, but either put out or get out. You're educated way beyond your intelligence. She wouldn't have done anything that stupid. Maybe you should start wearing more makeup. Stop being such a baby. Everyone else is doing it. Negative comments with or without peer pressure can damage not only a person's self-esteem, but may also create bad consequences. Whether it's verbal or physical, trash is trash, and only you have the power to put a lid on it. So don't allow yourself to become someone else's garbage can. This message about self-esteem is from your friends at WMUL. You're listening to West Virginia's first public radio station. Public radio? What does that mean? No commercials. So all I'm trying to say is maybe uh, no commercials is a good idea. Help build ratings. So crank up the commercial-free sound of WMUL FM 88.1, and we guarantee you won't hear one single commercial. You have come. You will die today, old man. I know why you are here. You are here because you do not like WMUL. Oh, no. WMUL is my favorite radio station. It plays the best variety in the tri-state area. I actually came because you killed my father, swine merchant. Prepare to die. You have tasted 88.1 WMUL's cutting edge. Now you will perish on mine. 88.1. The cutting edge. Welcome back to Sports Buzz. I'm Justin Zimmer, alongside Christian Palmer, Ben Cower, and Ryan Sirk. Uh, now time for another elimination, and unfortunately, it's going to be Christian Palmer. Uh, we're going to give Christian a chance to say some final words here, so I'm going to get your mic on and uh, take it away. Had a lot of fun tonight, so I don't even feel like a loser. I'm looking forward to see these last two battle it out for the championship. All right, great. Thank you, Christian, for joining us tonight. And now we're going to get into uh, college football. And uh, some head coach, Jimbo Fisher, is waking up 
will be waking up tomorrow morning, and he and he has a nice brand new paycheck, ninety million dollars, for Mr. Jimbo Fisher. This is this is though he is year three into that mega ten-year seventy-five million dollar deal. Texas A&M decides, you know what we're going to do? We're going to re-up. We're going to do ten more years. We'll give you a fifteen million dollar pay increase at a at ninety fifty million ninety million. Here's the problem, though, with Jimbo. He's 26-10 and 10 in his time in College Station. So, is Jimbo actually worth the mega 10-year deal at the moment for the 90 mil? I mean, he's the second highest paid college football coach now, behind, of course, Nick Saban. But, you mentioned it. 26-10 and 10 since arriving at Texas A&M. I think there's better coaches out there that could do even more than that with what Texas A&M does. They have great recruiting every year, it seems. I mean, they're ranked sixth this season. I just don't think that they will have that good of a season this year. But, I mean, if it takes only one national championship to make that much money as a head coach, man, there's going to be a lot of rich coaches coming up because I don't think Alabama's going to win, and I think... I don't think Texas A&M is going to win. I, I think that a lot of other coaches deserve to be the second highest paid college football coach other than Jimbo Fisher. On that on that last point, I I agree to an extent there. I is Jimbo worth his contract 90 million dollars? He's again, he's essentially being paid Saban money. He's getting Saban money. Saban gets a yearly salary of $9.1 million, and now Jimbo Fisher's getting $9 million a year. And they're betting on him all the way through 2030. But then again, it's, it's about rebuilding that team. He's been there for three years, and obviously when you're trying to rebuild an organization in the way you want to do it, uh, there's going to be some bumps in the roads. You know, bumps in the road. Uh, but of note... Nine of those ten losses came in his first two years there. Last year, they went 9-1. and one. And the only people they lost to, the only team they lost to, Alabama. They lost to Nick Saban, who's the only person getting paid more than Jimbo Fisher now. So, is he worth the contract? Well, they're improving. Who's to say they're not ranked top four this year? They went 9-1 and one last year. Who's to say they'll get better this year? And if they're ranked top four, and if they get to play Alabama in the playoff, I, I would say he's worth that money. Uh, you're not necessarily paying him to be, you know, you're not paying him to Saban money to be, you know, Nick Saban, but you're, you're paying him to get to that, or build your team to that point where you can compete with him. And they're right there. You know, I, I like to use the, the phrase, what have you done for me lately? And Jimbo Fisher has done a lot for them lately. They had their best best season in years last year. And he's building that program almost the exact same way they built Florida State. And they might just be two, three years down the road from winning a national a national championship. So it's a bet. They're betting on Jimbo Fisher that he's going to repeat exactly what he did in Florida State. Uh they I mean Last year, they won their first bowl game in a while, and they had their highest AP ranking since the 1939 National Championship for a Since 1939. The high, I mean, 
they're paying him good money to uh, continue doing what he's going to do, and that contract will look good. And that's another thing. That contract will look good in that, over the next couple of years because there's going to be people that inevitably is, you know, with inflation and just as generally the contract numbers continue to go up and up and up. That $9 million a year range, he'll be maybe in five years, he might be the eighth highest paid coach. So it's another contract that's going to age well for AM. So I, I think he's worth the contract that they're paying him because there's so many different factors that go into it. The team is going up. It's going to age well. It's Jimbo Fisher. And, hey, they've been successful lately. So, yes, yes, I do think he's worth that money. And something to back up your point, because you, you bring up a good point that he has the tools and he is building the team up. I think a very underrated thing for many college programs is consistency. To have the same coach over and over that builds their their style of play is how I, I like to think of it. Because he can start recruiting those players and then the longer the players are there, they can help mentor the new guys and then his job gets a lot easier and then everyone kind of buys into the culture and understands what their role is. So I think, as you mentioned, if they can keep going up and up, it would be because Jimbo Fisher is there and implementing his style. However, the thing that would hold him back is that if his style of play, for some reason, doesn't doesn't work anymore. If, I mean, it seems to be working lately. Exactly. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. If for some reason it doesn't doesn't work anymore. That's, that would be the only bad part about that contract because if he can keep this up for – 10 more years, then there's no reason why they, they shouldn't get better mm-hmm. with consistency and all that that I mentioned. I, I guess, you know, I guess the only fear here that to it would be, oh no, a, a man of similar name, Jim Harbaugh, you know, with Michigan, where, you know, they trust a big name to come in and kind of save the program. But, you know, Harbaugh had one good year and then immediately started going downhill. Jimbo Fisher so far has proven that it's going the opposite direction. The stock's going up. Where I mean, they were decent the first two years, and then last year they proved that hey, they're becoming a powerhouse again. And they lost, you know, Kellen Mond and a few important players there, but we haven't seen them play yet. We haven't seen them play yet this year. And as of you know, recent, I'd say Texas A&M is making the right moves. So yes, worth that money. Alrighty. Get that bag, Jimbo. And we're going to wrap up tonight with uh, everyone's favorite topic at the time of the U.S. college football season begins. What are your what, what is your two what are your all's predictions for the college football playoff semifinals on New Year's Eve? I thought it was going to be vaccines, our favorite topic, but <laughs> you, you can go ahead, Ben. You can go first. Uh, well, I'll I'll take a. Uh, risk here uh i'll go with alabama probably all right that's not they, a risk they might they might make it i don't oh. know <laughs> all right uh another risk here maybe clemson okay i don't all know right. I, I, right. I don't know hey I, all right two bold picks going bold i know it's i'm i'm off the rails tonight uh i mean you picked a uh, monmouth well yeah yeah well i mean that was okay that's that was earlier yeah, uh I guess for uh, the other two, I mean, Oregon might be fine, but I, I don't want to choose them for the top four. I'd say Ohio State, probably. Again, another yeah. safe pick. And then, you know what? I just I just praised him 
Let's go with Texas A&M. <laughs> Saw that one coming. Yeah, I just to really drive home my point, I think Texas A&M is the top four team this year. Well, oops. oh, that's the wrong show. Not sports. You. All right, Ryan. Sorry about that. That was on. Ryan, um, your top four. All right, I'll go Alabama, Clemson, of course. Pretty, pretty simple. Um, I don't think Oklahoma will be up there. They always seem to fall. So I'll I'll be the guy that adds Oregon in there. I'll add Oregon at three, and then I don't want Texas A&M in there. So I'll go and put Georgia as my fourth. Alrighty, and Georgia, if you have Georgia Clemson, you could get that match. You get that match Saturday night, opening opening match of Saturday night football. Alrighty, now it's time to pick a winner here as we're right right at the end of the program. Uh, I think we had a very lively debate tonight, but I gotta go with Ryan Sark. I mean, I, I, I like Jimbo, but Jimbo's not worth ninety million dollars. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, okay. Uh, fine, I see how it is. It's all about okay. the future, though. Jimbo's going down. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Pay $90 million to uh, Jimbo. Let's see how that goes. All righty. Uh, that concludes the program for tonight. For Zane Townsend, Ben Cower, Ryan Sirk, Christian Palmer, I'm Justin Zimmer. Have a great night. We'll, we'll, we'll join you next week.